0: John chapter, uh, John chapter 11, verses 1 through 4 says this. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her Martha her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with the ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it say so, he, he said... This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Uh, the title of this message this morning is, This Will Not End in Death. God, I um, just pray this morning. I, I, God, we, we ask God to hear a word from you this morning. Um, I, just, I just simply come, God, and I say, Lord, let every, everything God that's... Uh, your voice be amplified, everything that's Jeremy, God, be decreased. We, we ask, God, that each one of us would leave this space hearing a message from God, uh, knowing, God, that we heard from you and that you want so much to give us life this morning and life to the full. So we pray that, God, with all our heart, God, today. Um, God, speak, and your servants are listening. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Um, God does the impossible, and I, I'm finding that often it's when it's in our darkest place, that's when he comes. Um, this story, reading this, I felt like God was wanting me to preach on this comes at a really interesting time. Uh, we just had two folks in our community, uh, pass away. Um, Roberta Bill's wife passed away once uh, one weekend ago and, uh, married 53 years. Roberta was an incredible, beautiful woman of God that uh, impacted a whole bunch of people. And, uh, nothing like a testimony of just being married for 53 years that can tell any, can speak for itself in a lot of ways. And then Carol passed away and, um, incredible, beautiful woman of God who impacted many people. Um, and both of these lives, it says in the Bible, it says precious in the sight of God is the death of one of his saints. That's both of these folks. And God has something really precious in store through them. Um, this part of this story and, and this concept of death and all that we walk through is such a weird one. And I think first of all is that death was never a part of God's original design. Um, death doesn't feel right because it never was supposed to be. It's because of the curse that death happens. And, and in that, when we experience loss of loved ones and different things and it doesn't feel right, that's because it's not. We were meant to live forever. We were meant to live without sin, without sickness, without all that stuff, yet in this space of brokenness and world, death has entered in the world, and God actually wants to use this and twist it not for evil but for good. Um, this next verse messed with my head all week, and this is part of the crux in the center of our message this morning, and it's verse five, and it says this. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, catch catch this, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. What? I would think that that would be written, Lazarus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus so much that he came right away. That he dropped everything and said, I'm coming right now. But actually it says that he loved them so much, he stayed where he was two days longer. Now, if you look at the study of this and you read where he was, Jesus was actually, he had left Jerusalem and Bethany was just south of of Jerusalem and he had actually traveled two days north to the Transjordan area. So he was actually not even in the same area. So probably what happened is Mary and Martha, Lazarus gets sick. They're like, we gotta get Jesus. We need the miracle worker right now. We need him to come right now. So they sent a messenger running to Jesus and that guy got there two days later, most likely, and was getting there probably about the time that Lazarus was about to pass. I I was kind of processing this and and I, I wrote down this word, these two words, divine delays. The only reason why God ever delays is because he has something better in mind. The only reason why God ever delays is because he has something better in mind. You can can apply that to any space of your life, anywhere in the world. Now, I'm not saying every delay is God. Sometimes those delays are us. Sometimes those delays are um, Satan messing with us or people messing with us. And, and, And God does not want to kill, steal, or destroy anything in your life. In fact, he wants you to have an abundant, full life full of his blessing and riches. But sometimes there's things that are going on that are uncomfortable, difficult, hard, and there is a divine delay in the process. And I I wrote down these four thoughts, and I, I wrote down one, everything that God does towards us is motivated by love. So that even applies to delays. Two, we don't see the full picture. And there's aspects of what happened in our world and we're seeing, God, why is this delayed or why is this happening? And God's like, there's more than you don't see. You don't see the full picture. Three, any delay that goes on in your life is because God wants to reveal his glory to you. He wants to reveal who he is to you. And four, his delay is not a delay. It's because he's waiting on where he's gonna bring his perfect timing. And what might seem like late to us is actually right on time. Jesus will never be rushed. You can't manipulate him. You can't make a deal with God and say, God, if you do this for me, then maybe you could do this. Like, if I'll do this for you, will you you do this? You can't make a transaction like that. It doesn't work that way. God is going to do what he's going to do it in his perfect timing. You can't push and pull God, make a contract and say, sign here. He has his plan, his ways. We can do it our way or we can do it his way. Either way, God will not be manipulated. He will do things in his timing, in his ways. There's a there's this band called Maverick City or Maverick. Anybody heard of that guy, those guys? They got this one song called Wait on the Lord. And, and it's an epic song talking about what do you do in the divine waiting. And they say these things like, you're gonna worship while you wait. We're gonna speak to God while we wait. It's tough. I would say that probably one of the hardest things to do in the walk with God is wait. Because when I wait, I'm not doing my plan. When I wait, I'm not trying to figure it out. When I wait, I got problems and issues that are unresolved and dreams that aren't happening and struggles in my life and they're not answered and I'm waiting. Isaiah 40, 29 says this, 29 through 31. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. Even Jason Kelly gets tired. Even that, even that's a real thing. And young men will fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. sometimes the biggest act of faith that we can do is to not do anything. Just let go of the whole thing, the dream, the plan, the struggle, the pain, the thing that you can't fix, to stop, pull up a chair, grab your Bible, and say, God, I'm gonna wait on you. I have these unresolved things, I have these questions, I have this thing I don't know what to do. I got this mountain in my way. I got this death in my family. I got this problem, this pressing thing screaming in my ear. And God says, "Will you wait on me?" I would say this to you. When we pray, God always comes. Sometimes we don't notice that he's coming, but he always comes. Sometimes he does exactly what I ask him to do. And other times he does something completely different. Super interesting. So in verse seven of this chapter, two days have passed and Jesus says this. Then after this, the two days, because he waits two days, he says to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you. Are you now going to go there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Give this a little bit of context. Jesus had just left Jerusalem where they had picked up stones to kill him. In fact, during his ministry, Jesus, people tried to kill Jesus four times before he went to the cross. First time was at his birth, Herod sent soldiers, and they tried, They killed all the babies in the town. Jesus and Mary and Joseph left to Egypt, and they got away. Everyone else died. Jesus, All the babies died. Jesus was spared. Another time, in his hometown in Nazareth, Jesus gets up to read the scroll of Isaiah, and he says, I, he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. I'm coming to bring liberty to the captives, healing. I am the Messiah that is come. His relatives and his friends, that those he grew up with, picked up, they rushed him, they rushed the stage. They drove him to the edge of a cliff that the city was built on. And then it says a strange verse. It says, but he passed right through them and went on his way. I'm not quite sure what that looked like, but Jesus got out of the cross. He left. Next time Jesus is in the temple, he's speaking to people that are following him, who are believing in his message, and he basically says this, I am the Messiah, I am the one you're putting your hopes in. They get offended of this, they pick up rocks to throw to, to stone him, they were going to arrest him and take him, and it says Jesus hid himself. So somewhere he's preaching, and all of a sudden Jesus ducks behind a counter somewhere, and they can't find him, and Jesus sneaks away. I'd like to see a movie on that one. And then another time, a little while later, they're having these festivals and the general population is there. Jesus gets up and says, says, if anybody is thirsty, come to me. Streams of living water will flow out of him. And they ask him, are you the Christ? And he said, I've already told you guys this a thousand times. You don't believe me. And at the end of this, he starts talking about how he's the Christ. They pick up rocks to stone him. And Jesus, again, sneaks away. And that's where he is. He's left two days away. His disciples are with him. And they're like, Jesus, you go back. They're going to kill you. But here's the thing. Jesus says this. Aren't there 12 hours of light during the day? In other words, no one's going to stop me from what I'm supposed to do. You guys, if God has put a purpose and a destiny on your life, this is important. If God has put something in your life that you are called to do, Jesus was on his way to the cross, nothing was going to stop him. Nothing was going to stop him from fulfilling his mission where he's going to go. And Jesus like, it doesn't matter if they try to kill me. They're not going to be able to kill me. I lay my life down when I'm called to lay my life down. Nothing's going to stop it. In every purpose that God has... The safest place, get this, the safest place that you can be is in the center of God's will for your life. Matthew 10 28 says this Don't fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Who is worth fearing? The one with the stones? the one who speaks that against you or the one that we're going to stand before one day before the judgment seat of God and he's going to, we're going to give an account for our life. In a thousand years, I don't think we're going to care about anybody's opinion, including our own. It's going to be his opinion that we're going to care about. So Jesus heads back. He takes the two-day journey all the way up from the Transjordan back down to Bethany and two people meet him two sisters, Martha and Mary, and they have two very different reactions, but they say the exact same thing to him. Jesus, if you were here, my brother would not have died. Mary hears that Jesus is in town and he does, she doesn't go out. She is so distraught. She's so broken. She just kind of collapses right where she is and she stays. Martha I think Martha had a little more gumption, a little more push. She goes out to meet Jesus out of the edge of the town. And her first thing that she says is, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, you failed us. Where were you? Jesus said to her, but then she says this, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Have you ever been there with God? God, you could do something about this. Why aren't you doing something? God, what's the deal? Martha said to him, see, she, Martha knew her Bible. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. I know it's going to be okay in the end. But if you were here, he wouldn't have died. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet he will live. Resurrection isn't an event. Resurrection is a person. And when resurrection comes to town, everything that's dead comes to life. You guys, I think part of the reality of the miraculous of God is that we need him We need to invite him into every space of where we're living, breathing, moving. Because he desires to bring resurrection life into every aspect of our life. And when he enters into your work, into your family, into the brokenness of our bodies, all that stuff. He wants to bring resurrection life. It's who he is. When he shows up, because he is life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he will live. And everyone who believe, lives and believes in me shall never die. Martha, do you believe this? She said, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. In other words, yeah, I don't understand what just happened. I don't understand why my brother died. I don't get... All this thing, I just know this. You're real, you're God, you're here. You're in charge. Help. Favorite preacher of mine, a guy named Bob Zorgi, he, uh, he was a preacher and he was a, um, a worship leader and he actually had throat surgery and it went really bad and he lost his voice. Couldn't speak, couldn't sing, couldn't do anything. And he, he, said, for, he said for about eight years... He was so confused. He's like, God, I was loving you. I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. I I don't get it. How could I be doing what was right and take a hit like this? How could I be walking, doing all this? I I, I don't get it. And he said his prayer life for for those three, four, five years was three simple words or a few simple words. I don't understand you, but I love you. God, I don't get what's going on right now, but I love you. And he said this, he found that those three simple words were the three most powerful things, one of the most powerful things he could have ever said in that moment. God, I don't get the pain, I don't get this moment, I don't understand what's happening, but I love you. And when we make a space that we turn towards God in the pain instead of away from God in the pain, it's almost like we're setting up a, uh, like a, like a runway, like a faith runway, and we're turning the lights on and say, God, your miracle can land here. God, I'm not gonna close my heart to you, but I'm gonna keep it open. God, in this space, this happened, this happened, this hasn't happened. God, I'm keeping my heart open towards you. And I I say, God, you can show up here. I love you. I think in the middle of pain, the most important thing that we can do is keep a heart of worship. Because folks, there's a lot of spaces where we don't have the answers, right? Right? And we don't know. Jesus' response to Martha was this: He wanted to build up her faith. I'm the resurrection. I'm the life. You don't understand it all, but you don't need to realize that you don't need to understand everything. You need to know that I'm here now and I'm gonna do something that's miraculous. And then there's Mary. You gotta love Mary. Jesus calls, sends a messenger to Mary, and says, Hey, I'm in town. Martha, with tears flowing down her face, runs out and a bunch of mourners follow after her. And she sees Jesus falls at his feet, a mess. And she says this, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Can you see the difference between Mary and Martha? Martha's like, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Mary's like, broken. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had been also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and he was greatly troubled. Man, God God isn't afraid of our mess. (laughs) And when we're a mess, he's like, I'm here with you. We fall like a puddle at his feet, and he's just like, I'm, I'm deeply moved too. I'm with you too. But the other space that was going on in Jesus' heart, yeah, he was deeply moved. He was, he was feeling. It says here later, it says that Jesus wept with him. But there was also, in that place of deeply moved, there was a part of Jesus that was like, would you believe in me? Would you trust me? You know, Jesus takes us in our mess and our hope and our space, but he's like, it's not hopeless. I'm here. Dare to have hope again. Just like that video, like dare to have hope again. And I think sometimes we're like, I, I don't want to try to hope again. It, it, it's too painful when it doesn't work out. And Jesus is like, yeah, but I'm here now. And when he's here, he's the resurrection and the life. He's the hope. And so in that space, Jesus is like, Would you trust me, the resurrection and the life, to bring resurrection life here right now? Then Jesus, deeply moved again, comes to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was laid against it. Jesus said, Take the stone away. Martha, the sister of the dead man said, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he's been dead for four days. Can you imagine you're the guy that's supposed to take the stone away? He's been dead four days and they're like, "Uh, James, if you could remove the stone, please. You know, there's a story of this guy named Smith Wigglesworth. Prayed a lot of prayers, saw a lot of different miracles and he actually went into a funeral once. This is back in the, I think the 1800s or something like that. I forget when he was born, but there was a funeral going in progress and Smith came into the funeral and he just had this conviction in his heart that this guy was supposed to get raised from the dead. So what, you know what he did? This is all documented. Walks over to the casket. Everybody's mourning. Grabs the person up out of the casket and says, in the name of Jesus, live. And the body fell to the floor. And he did it again and he did this seven times. And on the seventh time, bam, bam, the person came back to life. Man, my faith's not there yet. But see, faith is a knowing. You know that you know that you know that God's gonna do something. Jesus said, take the stone away. And Martha says, I don't, I don't know if we should do that. And Jesus says, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And I realized something when I read this, when, when that verse five, where Jesus said, said he waited, he loved them so much. He waited two more days. There are times that God will bring a divine delay because he wants there to be no other option except him. That there's no program, there's no ingenuity, there's no bank account, there's no relationship, there's no thing that's going to bring the the, the change that we need except for him. Would you have faith in me? Now in this, I want to say something, and, and this is just an honest space. In the last week, we had like, two beautiful people in our, in our midst pass away and go to be with Jesus. And you know, in both situations, we prayed and we prayed in faith. That God would raise them up, that God would heal them. And it didn't happen. I, I don't understand all that. I, I don't get it. I just know this. When there's a problem too big for me, I come in faith and I say, God, would you move here? And I know that God, when we pray, shows up every single time. Sometimes he shows up in ways I expect. Sometimes he shows up in ways I don't expect. But I can say this, when you come to an impossible situation and you say, God, would you show up here? He does every time. I think sometimes we experience the glory of God in our darkest spaces and our darkest times. When death happens, when pain happens, when struggle happens, I think those are the moments sometimes where we sense the presence of God the nearest and the closest. We know his friendship and we experience his sorrow and his grief. There is something about the dark place that God meets us in. Jesus said to Mary and Martha, you will see the glory of God. And I want to tell you to everybody walking through a dark place this morning, God wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to give you his friendship in that dark place. He doesn't want to leave you alone, but he wants you to experience him. When every other light goes out and we sit in the dark, he promises to come right on time his time, the right time. Verse 41, it says that, so they took the stone away. Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I say this on account of the people standing around that they might believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and his feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him, let him go. When I was um, in prayer this morning, the thing that was ringing in my heart, was that simple phrase that said this, and he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. Bellingham, come out. Those bound by addiction, come out. Those in hopelessness, come out. Those bound by sickness, come out. When Jesus shows up, every knee bows, everyone knows, every addiction breaks. It shifts when he shows up. His desire for us and for everyone that we're connected to is that every space of death, sickness, and destruction will be cut off and that he says with a loud voice over each one, come out. Marriage is restored, healing happening, change shifting. Jesus says, Take away the stone. Lazarus, come out. And then Jesus goes to the Father, he goes to the cross, and he stares you and me in the face, and he says, Your turn. Your turn. Your turn in your world and your family. And I've now put my spirit upon you. And I'm saying to you about your coworkers, your family members, your friends, your world. Roll away the stone. Lazarus, come out. Because of the power of Christ and what he wants to do. Take away the stone. Position yourself with an open heart that says, okay, God, I'm open to your miracle. God, have your way. When Jesus speaks the word, life happens, period. Shifting happens, period. And then I thought this last part was interesting, and I think this is what God is inviting us into in this fall. Lazarus comes hopping out of the tomb, bound up with grave robes, and he says to the people, unbind him let them go. As God frees people, delivers people, transforms situations, heals them, then Jesus turns to you and me and says, unbind them. Walk with them. Help them. Buy them groceries. Be with them. Sit with them over coffee. Talk to them. Help them out. Their finances are a mess. You got to walk with them. Whatever it is, God desires that we would walk and be those that would unbind Nick, could you just pop on up? And um, I have no grand, awesome ending for this sermon today. Um, Except this thing ringing in my spirit this morning. Lazarus, come out. Anybody got a mountain in their life? A struggle? A heavy thing? Yeah. Can we just all stand on up? (laughs) Could you put a shoulder on the person next to you? They, uh, they, they need Jesus real bad, okay? You know, like, like Martha. Like Martha, I think sometimes we just need to be reminded that, you know, we say, God, where were you? And I just, I just want to speak to every, uh, every person in this space that we're like, man, God, where were you? Like, this happened, this struggle happened. God, what, what happened? And actually my heart just grieved because we don't, we, don't we walk through stuff? And we're like, I don't understand, God. I don't, I don't get it. Why, why'd you let that happen? And I just close your eyes and just picture Jesus looking at you. Jesus looks at us and he says, Didn't you know that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? You say this thing is impossible, you say that that death has come, it's it's no good now, but Jesus says, resurrection's here, I'm here. And I'm right on time. I'm not late, I'm right on time. So Jesus, we position our hearts and and I God, I just I say like like Martha. Okay, God, we believe in you. You are the Christ. We trust you. But God, also, we come to you sometimes like Mary, and we fall like a puddle at your feet, (laughs) weeping and broken and saying, "What? what happened? Where were you? I love you. I trust you. I don't understand. And God, to every heart in this room, God, that's in either one of those spaces, God, we just, we ask for your healing, and we ask God for your touch. God, speak to us. Your servants are listening. And then Jesus says to each one of us and, and all the places of death in our life and the brokenness, roll away the stone. God, to every dead dream in this room, to every place where life looks like a disaster, God, to every addiction, to every struggle, to every space where it's not right. God, where there seems like there's just death. God, okay, God, we open our hearts. We roll away the stone. Okay, God, here we are with open graves and a lot of death inside. And Jesus, I just want to join with your voice right now. And I just want to say, Lazarus, come forth. God, we pray right now. We pray for every person in this room. Come forth. I pray a daring to dream again. God, you're the God that brings life where there's death. You're the God that brings hope where there's hopelessness. God, you're the God that brings your dream when our dream dies. So God, Lazarus, come forth. And we come hopping out of the tomb. Jesus says, unbind him. Let him go. God, we just pray for the person on our right and left. And we just say, may they be unbound, God. Every, every addiction, every pain. I, and I, God, I, just, I rebuke um, anxiety right now, God. Sleeplessness. Um, God, I pray against um, every space of nightmares that people are walking through in this room. A space where they can't sleep. God, I just pray peace in Jesus' name. All to Jesus I surrender all To him I freely give And I will ever love And trust in me His presence I surrender all. Let's just sing that. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus. Oh. we just declare that you are resurrection your life and we have no ability to bring life on our own we need you to show up so we just declare life God we declare life over every person in this room freedom over every person in this room and we just pray an unbinding from every heavy weight in Jesus name and everyone said amen hey uh John, Celine if you could come and um Cat and Mike, if you guys could come. Some of you, let me let me say this real quick before we end, everyone can just keep looking at me. We need to recognize that there is an enemy out to destroy us, okay? And some of the things that you're fighting are not necessarily just normal. You, some of you are walking around with anxiety and weights and struggles and God wants to set you free and I, I just want to challenge you to come for prayer this morning and say I am dealing with this specific thing and I have dealt with it forever I need freedom from this today and we come in the power of Jesus and he does bring a shift but we have to come specifically and we have to say Jesus we surrender this and we pray that you would bring victory in this specific space now these people aren't more spiritual than you but they just trust Jesus and so I just want us to, to pray, and, and Sveta, if we could put the benediction up on the screen. We're going to pray this this morning together as a group. And I just pray right now freedom over this, this house and each one of us, and that we would step into spaces knowing that God doesn't want to just make us alive, but he wants to make all the world around us alive and step into what we're made for. So let's pray this together. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an incredible week.